So last week we were in Genesis 18. Abraham had some visitors, right? He had some visitors, and uh, Abraham is interceding for Sodom. That was the whole point. Remember the point of last week? It was is to do what? The point of last week is we're going to be a people who do what? We're going to intercede. We're going to pray. That was the whole point, right? Uh, God gives understanding. He reveals his ways, his plans, his purpose to the degree that he wants to reveal them. Okay, God doesn't reveal everything, right? Y'all got, y'all got kids? Did y'all reveal everything to your kids when they were little? No, you only gave them what they needed to know, right? Well, God does the same thing with us. God needs or God gives us what we need to know. But he's going he's gonna to reveal things to us to trustworthy friends, right? Now, how do I become a trustworthy friend of God? By going to church on Sunday and checking that off the box? By being baptized? By giving a lot of money to the church? How do I become a trustworthy friend of God? It's only one thing. Hebrews 6 says it. What? It's only one thing that pleases God. What is it? Faith. It's faith. Through faith, I become a trustworthy friend of God, right? I trust God, I agree with Him, and then I act in obedience to what He tells me. And then in the right relationship with Him, and that's key, relationship is key, we can boldly come to Him with anything. Y'all know your kids, man, especially grandkids, because if you knew how they were, you would have had them first, right? You know, has, has, has your kids ever crawled up in your lap and just want something and tell you something, and they love all over you, especially one that's really obedient? When they do that, what did you do? Man, you almost dropped them on their head to go do what they wanted you to do. Man, you think God's any different? With a child that's obedient, with a child that crawls up in his lap and tells him everything, you think God don't want to give us? God don't want to bless us? And as followers of Christ, should we not be interceding? Shouldn't we be praying? I mean, let's pray for each other, right? And then we need to pray for lost people. Man, I want everybody to know. I want everybody to taste what I've tasted. Right? I mean, I think everybody's crazy for not riding a motorcycle. I mean, I love it that much. I just think it's amazing. So I tell everybody, man, you're crazy. You need to get you a motorcycle. But I found out, you know, you either love them or you hate them. Some people, you know, and they're caught in the middle. But I do, man, I love because I love riding a motorcycle. I love the feeling. I love what I get. You know, sometimes it takes a half a tank or a whole tank of gas to get my head right. You know, but I just love riding a motorcycle. So I tell people about it. Well, shouldn't we do the same thing with Jesus? Exactly. So we should pray for people, man. We should pray. And then look, man, we can make a difference. See, some of us believe we can't make a difference. Some of us, Satan has lied to us. Satan has deceived us to thinking, well, I can't do anything. Man, that's a lie. They sang it this morning. Fear is a liar. You can make a difference. We can make a difference. I can. You got to preach to yourself. Y'all do that? Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Abraham was one man that was faithful. And look at what he did. He just went to God boldly and he asked God, God, would you, would you spare them if there were 50? And God was bargaining with God. I mean, Abraham was bargaining with God, wasn't he? Well, what about 40? What about 45? What about 30? What about 25? 25, 30. How about 10? And God's, God's answer was what? Yes. Yes, I will save the whole city if I can find 10 righteous people. Let me ask, would you be willing to pray? Would you be someone willing to pray? 
to be an intercessory prayer warrior. If you are, I want to ask you after the service, I want you to come down. I've got some prayer uh, bulletins here or bullet points, and, and, and they're kingdom-focused. They're, uh, they're more worldwide for the body of Christ. They are specific to us. You could pray that for us. But, man, would you come and get one of these? And, and, and every day, just at noon, would you pray at noon every day? Set your alarm. I got my phone. I set my phone to go off at noon, uh, and I just pray for 10, 15 minutes. Imagine what would happen if God's people, I think it says this in the Bible somewhere, if my people, right, who call by my name, what if we just prayed together at noon every day, high noon, because that's when the sun's the highest point, right, the S-O-N. Every day at noon, just for 10 minutes, just pray. Stop what you're doing and pray. I wonder what God would do. I wonder, I wonder what God would do if some people would just faithfully pray. Okay, so come and get one of those, and I want to challenge you to do that. Today we're in chapter 19. Uh, God destroys. Remember, he, the angels went ahead. God kind of hung back. Abraham was talking to him and praying, pleading for Sodom. The angels went ahead, right? So that's where we're at. Remember, chapter and verse came later in God's Word. It was written like a story, but chapter and verse came later to help us navigate through God's Word. So here it is, we're 19, starting in verse 1. It says, The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and go on your way early in the morning. No, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Now, during that time, we don't, we don't understand that culture today like they did then. In that day, man, hospitality was key. I mean, they didn't have a 7-Eleven and a sheets, you know, on every road that you could stop and get you a drink and freshen up, okay? So hospitality, when you were traveling and you stopped somewhere, I mean, it was considered uh, very disrespectful you know, for you to not open up, you know, and, and at least give some water, let them wash their feet and, and bake some bread, and just be hospitable to people, you know. I mean, and that's, that's something we're missing we need to really get back to today. But, uh, you know, here, here Lot, he, he's got that, just like Abraham did with the three visitors. Here, here Lot recognizes these visitors, and he's doing that. Now, Lot, he's sitting at the gate. What does it mean, sitting at the gate? Uh, sitting at the gate means that Lot had... Lot had progressed, if you want to use the word progress, maybe it's digressing. Uh, but he was sitting at the gate of the city. In other words, Lot's a leader in the city now. Now, a gate would be sort of like a town hall. Y'all got town halls where you live? There's a town hall or a meeting place where, where the mayor and maybe the city leaders, they meet and they talk about uh, city business or they discuss business. Uh, maybe they hear cases in the city or they may even judge cases in the city. Uh, they just supervise things on the city. That's that's where he at. Now, now, how did Lot? I mean, we've already heard Sodom is a wicked city, right? We've already heard that. Even when Lot saw the plain that was lush, when him and Abram separated, it said then that, that Sodom, that area, was a wicked area. How does Lot, Abram's nephew, rise to leadership in a wicked city? Genesis 13.10, you know, when Lot and Abraham split up, what did Lot do? He, he saw Abraham gave. He had the right to choose, right, because God called Abram. 
But Abram gave Lot the right to choose. So what did Lot do? He sees this well-watered, lush plain, right? And he picks the thing that looks the best. How often do we do that? We pick something that looks good on the outside, but guys, it may be rotten on the inside. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord in, in, in the beautiful land of Egypt. Genesis 13, 10, it says, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. Lot moved his tent to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Notice a key word in there. Lot settled. And it says in Genesis 14, the victorious invaders plundered Sodom. Remember, there was a war that broke out. Lot got caught up in the middle of that and lost everything. Abram had to go rescue him, right? Remember? And then after he rescues Lot, where does Lot go? What does he do? He goes right back to Sodom. Don't we do the same thing? How many times has God rescued us? How many times has God sent us someone to rescue us? And we go right back to Sodom. Lot saw, check out some key words here. Lot saw the lush plain of Sodom. It was desirable. He knew there were wicked people living there. He pitched his tent. He settled. You see a, you see a, do you see some path here? He's drifting, isn't he? You know we all drift. Do you know that? Do you know everybody drifts? Here's two things that he did, and here's some key words for today. Lot compromised, and he conformed. Lot, what does compromise mean? Compromise means to make concessions or accommodations for someone or something who does not agree with a certain set of standards or rules. And then conform. What does conform mean? It just means to comply with certain standards or to become similar in form, nature, or character. To compromise and conform, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, can we all compromise and conform on a daily basis, don't we? How many of you guys are married? Y'all married? Look, man, if you've got a healthy marriage, there is some compromising and some conforming going on in your relationship, okay? If not, there's going to be a divorce happening real soon, okay? We do, man. Uh, look, we compromise on where we're going to eat lunch, Okay? I want barbecue today, and you want seafood, and uh, so we're just going to compromise, and we're going to go have uh, a steak. Right? We do. We compromise. Hey, don't we compromise with our kids? We compromise with our kids, right? And they conform to our standards. Hopefully. Look, Daniel. Look at Daniel. When Daniel was captured, and they, they take all the Hebrew kids. What did Daniel do? Daniel compromised, right? He said, hey, I don't want to eat the king's food. Let me just eat vegetables. Let me just eat bread and vegetables. He, there was a compromise there. Okay, so, so compromise is not necessarily a bad thing. Conforming is not necessarily a bad thing. just depends on what our standard is. What's our standard? We only got one standard. Jesus is our standard. Okay, that's the standard. God's Word is the standard. 
Okay? That's what we need to, so we can compromise based on God's word, and we conform to the image of Jesus Christ, right? That's what we have to do, man. Now, what does God say about compromising and conforming? Deuteronomy 5.32, so be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you and follow the commandments exactly. 1 Peter 1.4, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 2 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Galatians 5.16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. James 4.4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world, he's not talking about people. He's talking about a system, okay, a pattern and a system of the world. Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. In other words, don't be shaped, don't be molded, don't be fashioned to the standard of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Compromise and conformity robs us of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus himself said, Look, nobody can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one to one and despise the other. And then Jesus gave an example. You can't love God and money. In other words, you can't put God and money on the throne, right? And see, when we, when we compromise, what we do is we say, well, there's room, for, there's room for something else other than Jesus on the shelf. There's, there's, something, there's, something, there's some room on the throne for this and Jesus. It's Jesus plus. That's what happens when we compromise. Now, the angels, they refused to stay at Lot's house. They were going to stay in the city, city square. Lot strongly insists that they come home and him. I wonder why. Here it is in Genesis 19, 4 through 11. Before they gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. So men from every part of the city Surround Lot's house. Now, if Lot had a really small house, that's still a whole bunch of men. And they're young and old. Look, this is generational, man. This ain't something that just is one section of, 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 of the community. This is everybody in the city. This was accepted. It was generational. They demanded Lot bring the men out so they could have sex with them. Well, now, what if the men in Lot's house... See, I think about crazy stuff when I'm reading God's Word, man. What if the men in Lot's house didn't want to go out and have sex with the men outside? They would have been gang raped. They were going to have sex with them men regardless of whether they wanted to or not. Men from every part of the city that has surrounded the house. And look, from the language and the reaction of these men, this is not the first time this has happened. This was, a, this was just something that happened in the city. But that's not crazy. 
And look, man, I, I had to stop here for a minute. God is very clear in His Word. He does not approve of homosexuality. It's in both the Old and New Testament. Leviticus 18, 22. Leviticus 20, 13. Romans 1, 26, 27. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Timothy 1, 10. Jude 1, 7. But people in the world, man, people in the world today, people then and today, they challenge the biblical view of homosexuality. But God's word is clear. And I've had conversations with people. And, and I have no problem debating the Bible. I love to talk about God's Word. I love to talk about the Bible. I'd love to take up, talk about issues that are going on in the world today. And I, a lot of people have, have said to me, but, but, but Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Okay, technically, He did not speak the words. But I want to challenge you today. Did Jesus really not say anything about homosexuality? Look at this verse, John 10, 30. What's that say? Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If Jesus and the Father are one and the words of God are in the Old Testament, then are they not also the words of Jesus? Okay, look at John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And in John 1, 14, what does it say? Jesus is the Word. So if Jesus is the Word... Then what does Jesus say about homosexuality? Matthew 5, 17. This is Jesus. Jesus said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, what does it mean when you fulfill something? Jesus is saying, look, in me, all the law is fulfilled. In other words, he's saying, I am the law. Is he not? I am the law. So if Jesus is God, if Jesus is the word, if Jesus is the law, then let me ask you a question. What did Jesus say about homosexuality? He said the same thing in those verses, Leviticus, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, and Jude. See, we want to pick the Bible apart. We want to cherry pick so we can do what we want to do. And that's not just with homosexuality. That's with everything. We, we, we want to navigate through and pick and choose and manipulate God's Word so we can feel good about doing what we want to do. And look, man, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah isn't just about homosexuality. That was a major issue. However, check this out. They were filled with pride, arrogance. There was no fear of God. There was no conscience, okay? They didn't care. Here, here's the thing, man. They wanted what they wanted, when they wanted, how they wanted it, and I don't care who I hurt to get it. That, that was the problem. And their lust in their hearts, their desire just happened to be homosexuality. You could, you could plug in a thousand different things in there, right? There was, a, there was no morality. None. See, and that's the thing, man. When, when we live in attitude of it feels good, do it, then morality's out the window. There is no morality. That's where they were at. They didn't care that two men would be gang raped. 
possibly killed. They didn't, they didn't care. Remember back in Genesis, and I just happened to be thinking, remember back in Genesis when Cain and Abel brought their offering? Abel brought an acceptable offering, and Cain, his offering was not so acceptable. And God told him, he said, Cain, sin is crouching at the door. If you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do what's right, sin's going to have you. Man, the same thing happens with us. Sin crouches at the door every day with us, right? People were so evil in that day that God wiped out the entire human race. Man, the same attitude, the same arrogance, the same lack of morality, lack of a fear of God was, was present in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God took them out. Verse 6 and 9, Lot, he goes outside. The guys have surrounded the house, right? They're getting loud. Bring these guys out. Lot goes outside, and he shuts the door behind him, and he says, No, 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 my friends. Don't do this wicked thing. Look, I've got two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do whatever you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they've come under the protection of my roof. And they said, Get out of our way. This fella came here as a foreigner. Now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. Lot moved forward to break down the door. I mean, look, man, Lot's, the Bible says in 2 Peter, I think it's 2 Peter 2, 6, Lot is a righteous man, okay? He's drifted, right? He, he's drifted. But the Bible says he's a righteous man. So he goes out and tries to tell him, guys, don't do this. Come on, man, y'all know better than this. This is an abomination against God. And look, man, hospitality. See, at that time, man, hospitality was such a huge issue that you would protect the guest in your home more than your own, your own family. Now, we can't understand that today. But back then, that thing was huge, man. Here's the, here's the deal, man. Look, when God's people compromise and conform with the world, as Lot had done, what kind of respect do we have from the world? None. Who are you? Who is this foreigner trying to tell me what to do? And the lot has a really great plan. Right? I'm going to let them have my daughters. I'm going to let them have my daughters who've never known a man. Here, I'll give you them and you can do what you want to do with them. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? Man, that's, I mean, how can that even be right? How could that even be in, in your thought process? It was, you know why? Because 25 years, all Lot has done is what? Compromised and conformed. That's all he's done. Now, the Bible doesn't give an explanation. The Bible doesn't say why. You know, he, he's done that. I mean, I think it's an inexcusable plan. I think it's just, for, for him to even go there, doesn't even make any sense. But I believe God put this in His Word. I believe God put this in His Word to show us what happens when we compromise and conform. When we compromise, when we conform to the pattern and the system of the world, 
Look, it destroys, number one, our character and our integrity. We have none. Then it, it destroys our ability to make wise choices. That was not a wise choice. And then it destroys not only our life, but it destroys the people in our life. Can you imagine what would have happened to Lot's daughters? But the men, they don't want Lot's daughters. They want, the, they want and they're going to take it. They're moving in. They're putting pressure on Lot. They're going to break the door down, right? But here it says in verse 10, the angels inside. It says, but the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back in the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they could not find the door. Now those men were already spiritually blind, and now they had a physical blindness that matched The two men said to Lot, you got anybody else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anybody else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. And Lot realizes for the first time who he's dealing with. He realizes that these are angels from the Lord. This is an act of God. And they've come to destroy the entire city of Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot, he goes out and he, he speaks to his sons-in-law. Now his daughters were betrothed. Remember that word? That's a biblical word. That means they were engaged. Okay, In their eyes, they were already married. It just hadn't happened. It hadn't been consummated yet. The ceremony hadn't took place. Engagement normally lasted about a year. So they were already engaged. So in their eyes, they were already married. That's why it says sons-in-laws. So he goes to his sons-in-law and says, hurry, hurry, man, you guys got to get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But check this out. His sons-in-law thought he was joking. I wonder why. See, if we want to have any kind of influence and impact in the world, if we want to be respected spiritually, we can't compromise and conform. Because when we compromise and when we conform, we lose all respect. Not only with the world, we lose it with our own family. They thought Lot was joking. Man, get out of here. What are you talking about? Destroy the city. Are you stupid? And they just paid him no mind. E even Lot's own family did not take Lot seriously. How, how could they? I mean, we know, we know folks. I mean, just, let's, let's don't even think about spiritual things for right now, okay? Let's just put spiritual things on the shelf. If you know people in your life or people you work with who are constantly compromising, constantly conforming, do you have respect for them? I mean, they're all over the place, right? Whatever the new standard is for today, that's where they're at, right? They compromise. Boom, boom, boom. They're all over the place, man. They just kind of make it up as they go. Do y'all know people like that? I mean, are you going to follow somebody like that? I mean, if you're getting into a storm, is that the person you're going to call? Not me. I want to call somebody who's grounded, right? I want to call somebody who's got some character and somebody who's got some integrity, right? So even in the world's eyes, man, we, 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 don't, 
We don't have a lot of respect for people like that. Now, spiritually, the same thing applies, right? I got five minutes before noon, and I got about five more hours worth of stuff. Look, we're going we're to wrap it up right here because I want to I share some things about this. What, what's a theme that we keep hearing? What's a theme? Two words, both start with a C. Compromise. Conform. Compromise. Conform. Why, are these, why is it such an issue? Well, here's why. Compromising and conforming affects my relationship with God. We drift farther and farther and farther away from God when we compromise and conform with the world. Period. There's no buts in there. But, but J.D., but no. That's a fact. Here's the second thing. We begin to lose focus and we lose perspective. See, perspective's everything, isn't it? I mean, that pain you got, that headache feels real great to the guy selling aspirin. Perspective is everything. The farther we are from God because of compromise and, and, and conformity, the more confused we become. Confusion leads to even more what? Compromise and conforming. Look, man, when you're confused and you don't know what's going on, you make some bad decisions, don't you? I know I did. Look, here's another thing. What we constantly, consistently feed on leads to our compromise and conformity. Do you know that? What's that old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. Man, what you put in, you, we're only as good as what we're putting in our body, right? We're only as good as what we're putting in our mind. We're only as good as what we're putting in our heart. What are we putting in? What we put in leads to compromise or conformity. Either we're compromising and conforming to the world or we're compromising and conforming with God's Word, right? The two choices we got. And then look, the things that we're exposed to, the influences in our life, can lead us to compromise and conformity, right? I mean, think about your children, man, when they were growing up. Maybe some of you have little kids now. You look at their five closest friends, and you can tell what your kids are involved in. You can. Look at your five closest friends, and you want to know what your kids are doing? You look and see what they're doing. Now, put that on yourself. You look at your five closest friends in your life, that's the influence in your life. I mean, think about television. In the last 50 years, has there been a greater influence? Has, there, has, has, has anything had a greater impact than television in the last 50 years? I mean, there's a reason they call them programs. Remember the TV guide? My grandma, man, my grandma would read the newspaper from front to back, even the sports page. She'd get the TV guide. She'd read the whole TV guide. She was an encyclopedia, man, of the TV. 
It's programs. They call them programs because it programs us to a certain way of thinking, to, to compromise and conform with the world instead of God's Word. Yeah, but J.D., times change, man. Culture changes, times change. Yeah, they do, but God doesn't. When has God's Word changed? It doesn't. Look, and when we're isolated, this is key, man. Listen to this. When we're isolated, do you know we tend to compromise and conform the more when we're isolated? Man, when you're alone, you do some stupid stuff. I'll guarantee you, you think back of some of the major the major mess, the major jackups in your life, the major mess ups in your life, the major situations in your life where you go, What was I thinking? I'll guarantee you were alone. Why do you think Satan fights so hard? Listen, church, come on. Online, listen to me. Why do you think that Satan fights so hard to keep us apart? Why do you think Satan fights so hard to, to keep the brotherhood from being what it should be? Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there with them. So if he keeps us isolated, we have no impact. We have no influence. And the Bible says two are better than one. When we compromise and when we conform, look, man, we open ourselves up to more temptation and attacks by Satan. I don't know who said it, but it said sin, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. When you compromise, when you conform, it opens the door up to your heart and to your mind for Satan to come in and just wreak havoc on your life. Man, my, my, my cocaine that I was doing, before I got saved, the cocaine and the drinking and all that stuff, you, I didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to go buy $200 worth of cocaine and suck it up my nose. That didn't start. That started when I was 15, 16 years old, just smoking, smoking weed. Nobody in prison just woke up that morning and go, hey, I think I'm going to go shoot somebody today. No, it started with an anger issue, Right? So it starts with the compromise. We compromise, and it's a little compromise here, a little compromise there, a little conforming here, a little conforming there, and then we open ourselves up to Satan. And the next thing you know, you're in that bottomless pit, right? You're in the muck and the mire, and you're in a horrible place, man. When, when we compromise, when we conform, to the pattern and the system of the world. You, you know what we're doing? We're introducing a cancer into our life. We're introducing a spiritual cancer in our life. And look, what happens, what happens if you got a cancer and you don't deal with it effectively? It grows, doesn't it? It grows and it starts to take over your body. And eventually, what does it lead to? Proverbs 14, 12 said, There's a way that seems right to a man. 
but that way leads to death. Guys, we gotta we gotta really start focusing on compromise and conforming. The four basic needs of every human being. I want to be loved. I want to be secure. I want to be accepted. I want to be significant. Basic needs of every human being. The top two for ladies are to be loved and secure. The top two for men are to be accepted and significant. We compromise and conform because we want those four basic needs in our life. We compromise and conform because that's what we're striving for. There's a great big hole. There's a great big void in here, and I'm trying to fill it with things in the world, a pattern of the world, and a system of the world, and you can't fill it. You can't fill it. The only way that we're going to satisfy that, that need to be loved, that need to be secure, that need to be accepted, that need to be significant is through Jesus Christ conforming to and, and, and compromising with His Word. The only way. Or I should say conforming to and not compromising His Word. So man, look at your life. Look at where you are spiritually. See, sometimes we have to go to a doctor. If you got something going on, you know, and it's been a couple of weeks and, and, and it's not clearing up, what do you do? Some of you are hard-headed, you don't do nothing, right? Some of us are. We're hard-headed, we don't do nothing. Well, I'll just, I'll work, I'll get through it, I'll get through it. No, man, God has provided medical professionals that we can go to for help to figure out what's going on in our life. Hadn't he? Physically. Hadn't he? So we go to a medical professional and say, Doc, man, I got something going on. I, 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 here it is. Here's my symptoms. Here's my problems. Well, let's get you checked out, man. And they figure out what's going on. And if they got some medication to take care of it, we take care of it. If it's a medical procedure, we do a medical procedure, we take care of it. Spiritually, what do we do? Spiritually, how do we take care of it? We go get a checkup, right? Look, Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, oh God. Search me, God. Search me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Search me and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In other words, God, here I am. You know, you know what it is? You know what I relate that verse to? I relate that verse to surrender. Lord, here I am. I surrender. I got some stuff in my life. I can't, I can't. It's driving me nuts, Lord. I got all kinds of problems. I surrender to you. I want to sacrifice my life to you. Would you look at my life? Would you look at me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically? And if there's anything wrong with me, would you point it out? Help me to correct it. Help me to serve you. Help me to sacrifice my life to you. Help me to share my faith in you. And then lead me. Right? Lead me along the path. In other words, Lord, I've been drifting, and I can't get back home. I've been drifting. I, I can't paddle hard enough. I can't. It's too deep. I can't get out. Would you lead me back to you? Because I can't get there. Man, that's what it is. That's the answer. 
today, maybe you've made some compromises. Maybe you've conformed to a pattern or a system of the world that doesn't honor God. Man, would you make that right today? Maybe, maybe you think today, oh man, I, JD, you don't understand, man. I've made some, I've made some decisions, and this, man, I, I don't see a way out of this. There is a way out. His name's Jesus. There's, man, there's nowhere that you are today. There's nowhere you, nowhere you can go. To hide from him. You can't go far enough that he can't save you. There's the proof right here. The cross. If you simply bring that compromise. If you bring that conformity to the cross. And you lay it down right there. And then make a, make a commitment to God. That you're not going to compromise with his word. You're not going to conform to the pattern and the sin of the world anymore. You're going to live for him. God will absolutely rock your world. He may destroy the world around you, but he'll rock your world. Guys, y'all come and we'll close. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now. Father, help us to understand this message, Lord. It's just so much information here in chapter 19. God, we all make compromises. We all conform. The issue, Lord, is what standard do we have in our life? And are we willing to adhere to that standard? Lord, it really is those four things. It's surrendering to you. It's sacrificing my life to you. It's serving you. It's sharing my faith in you. And I would add, Lord, it's, it's just praying. It's staying in constant contact and communication with you. Oh, God, help us to put our armor on. If we're yours, Lord, then you give us your armor to put on every day. Help us, Father, submit to you. Your word says that. If we submit to you, then the devil has to, has to flee. Father, you know each and every heart here. Give us an attitude right now of humility. To be willing to pray that prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Lord, you already do. Point out anything in us, Lord, that offends you and lead us along the path of everlasting life. May you be glorified in our time, Lord, and may we respond effectively and appropriately to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.